Hello again, listeners, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Just Checking In podcast. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas, and start conversations. As always, I'm your host, Freddie Cocker. As you may know by now, each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have an answer about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we'll discuss it. On to my special guest now, and this is someone who I met at university when we were at Sussex together and was a bit of a superstar DJ, shall we say, within our university year group at least. He's also a Vent champion and was one of the first contributors to Vent's Behind the Decks feature, which gives a voice to DJs and producers from all walks of life who may be struggling with their mental health, discussing issues pertinent to them. So I am delighted to be welcoming the man himself, Jack Circuit, onto the Just Checking In pod. Jack Circuit, aka Circuit, if we go by one of his DJ aliases, is a selector who performs around London and the UK's club circuit. He's also the founder and promoter of Arts Club, a music and arts community event series. Jack, welcome to the Just Checking In pod. Thanks for the intro. It's been a bloody long time since we caught up. It has But it's happening. I'm pretty excited. What, four four years? It's been a long time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very long time. Very long time. (laughs) Now, for the listeners, um, I've just mentioned that previously, but we know each other through our university days at Sussex. Mm -hmm. You ran your own night, which was called Soul City. Yep, Soul City. Uh, which, we'll, which we'll discuss later on in the pod, as well as a techno night, I believe. Was that mute? Were you involved in that at all? Yeah, I was, I was involved in that. I had my, um, had my doings in that, but much more uh, involved in Soul City mm. and uh, a night called Midnight Funk Association. That was the one I was going to mention as well. As well. Yeah. yeah. So that was that aud- audio, which is now Patterns. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So any, any of the Brighton aficionados, there'll be some nostalgic, uh, nostalgic lines and memories you'll be getting from these, from these uh, conversations. So... Now we've got that out of the way, shall we get started, Jack? Let's do it. Now, I wanted to kick off this first topic, Jack, which is your experience of living with tinnitus. Now, you wrote an article for Vents about it quite recently, actually, or by the time this pod goes out, it might not be recently, but we'll see, how, we'll see where it goes. Now, for the listeners who don't know what it is, just define it for them, first of all, and then tell me why you wanted to write that article and your motivations for it. Well, firstly, to define tinnitus, it is a result of hearing damage, basically. It can be hearing damage, it can be a, a, a multitude of factors, but for me, it was a, uh, an, a result of hearing damage. And mm. it is essentially like, there's like rogue signals coming into your brain, basically. Mm. Your, your, um, your ears pick up signals that sound kind of like electronic signals or morse code okay um that they wouldn't pick up otherwise Mm. and it's a result of i think in the article i said this it's like um it's like a low humming noise sort of thing or a ringing noise yeah yeah i think said in the article it's like an aux cable that's gone a bit rough yeah all right well those (laughs) of us who are interested in music will know exactly what that sound sounds like or a or like a or humming of a fridge everyone's got a fridge Mm. that's probably easier yeah Yeah. an easier comparison yeah so it's like an electrical uh hum and i wanted to write an article about it because i feel like it's not really spoken about. Mm. Um, in DJ circles and probably in wider circles as well. I've seen in wider circles as well. I think that, I mean, not everyone goes out, like, 
loads, but I think when people have ringing in their ears after a night out, mm. it's actually something that's in a way like celebrated. It's like, oh, we've had a great night. I've got, I've got ringing in my ears, but actually that's hearing damage. And it's actually the starting stages of tinnitus. And it's mad the amount of concert venues and clubs we go in that are like... Very bad for it as well. I'm not, we're not going to name names, but there are certain few in London where you, you know you're going to come back and if you don't wear earplugs, you'll get ringing in your ears yeah. the night after when you get yeah. back. Yeah, and there, there are sound engineers that will, that will apparently be, you know, clued up and professional, but we're putting their, their, their sound systems up to levels which are just damaging people's ears. And that's great, but I mean... In terms of like volume, that's amazing, but it's not really great for um, the the people that are going out. Um, I just wanted to write the article because like it can raise awareness and kind of it'll mean that people that mostly people that are involved in music can like protect themselves. Mm. And you got some really good feedback from it as well. What what sort of feedbacks you got from when the article first came out? Because you got a lot of reads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people just haven't been able to talk about it because they haven't had a clue. Some people don't even know what it what it really is, and they and they've actually like woken up with it, and they've just been like, okay, what the hell is this? And mm. that article kind of like demystifies it, and it kind of get, it puts a name to mm. the condition. And lots of people have been speaking to me, asking for advice, and you know, raising various points on the article. So it's been good. Excellent. And in the article, you said it started whilst you were at university after a night out. Now, just talk to me about that night and the aftermath of it when the tinnitus took hold. Mm, I think I was at... I think I was at, um, well, Audio, which is now Pans, one of my very regular haunts. I feel like you almost slept there, you went there so much. <laughs> I feel like I did at one point. Yeah, I think was... Concord too, they stopped IDing me at one point because I just went there every single week. Oh, man. Yeah, it was. I was there all the time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was 21... So third year, our final year. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I just I just woke up and I'd woken up with these kind of um, r- like periodic ringings after nights out before. But again, like I just said, I ju- I was just like, well, that's normal. <laughs> like just a bit of ringing in the ear, isn't it? That's fine because it always went away. Mm. But on that on that fateful morning, yeah, it was it was um, it was different because because it just didn't go away from that point mm. on. Which was just crazy to me. Like I, I couldn't comprehend it, and I, and I almost like, I mean, I, was, I was just like, in tears, just like what, what the hell was going on? Because mm. um, I thought I'd like damage properly damage my hearing. I thought I was gonna go deaf or something. I was thinking mm. the worst. Mm. You were yeah. thinking and all that sort of anxiety that you naturally would do if that yeah. massive event happens to you. Did you talk to the people that you lived with at the time and like, did did you know how to articulate it? Uh, we were all in music, the people that we uh, lived with. So yes, um, but again, I kind of uh, like the the first uh, couple of days, I kind of thought that it was still going to be all right and it'd just go away again. Mm. But yeah, I did. I did speak to people, but it was um, yeah, it was about kind of educating myself about it. After that, if I'm honest, mm. you also mentioned how even things like drinking coffee can change the severity of the ringing yeah. or of the tone. What other things can trigger your tinnitus in what ways? Oh, there's there's so many things. It's really... That's very niche, isn't it? For yeah. like a, just drinking a drink as you would normally in yeah. everyday life. Yeah, any kind of like imbalance can set it off. I think if you're particularly like stressed, like if, I'm, if I've got like a massive workload on, I've just had a mad week 
and I get home and I like lay in bed, then it, it's just crazy. It's so mm-hmm. loud, but if I'm if I'm relaxed, it's like fine. And if I and any like um, you know like stimulants such as like coffee and um, stuff like that, it can uh, it can affect it. And it's really intricate in that way. It's a it's a strange beast. I said the article mm. as well, but it is. It's a yeah. It's a it's a real strange one. Mm. Lots of that stuff can set it off. The the link between tinnitus and mental health is very discussed. I, I think it would be fair to say. Now, in your experience, Jack, how how has and how does tinnitus affect your mental health? Yeah. So it it was kind of like this like negative feedback loop, which I think a lot of people can get where they have they have something wrong with them and then they. And, you know, they think the worst, then they get, like, this anxiety about it. Therefore, the tinnitus gets worse. Therefore, they have anxiety about it. Therefore, you and know... You have, and you get anxiety about having anxiety, yeah, and the cycle and never stops. It's horrible. Exactly. So, so the first, like, year or so, there was quite a lot of that when I, when I like, had it, and it was just really bad, and um, I didn't really know how to deal with it, and I didn't really know how to... Um, uh, like I didn't really know how it works yet, so it was... Yeah. Which is natural, because you're still finding out things about yourself, mm-hmm. let alone something that you you think yeah. is going to stay with you for quite a long time. Yeah, in my mind, it was it was just going to get progressively worse. Mm. And so I was, it, it wasn't wasn't very nice. But yeah, that, that kind of negative feedback loop was like going on until I kind of found a way to kind of sort it out, mm. you know? In the article, you also make an interesting point that, in a way, tinnitus has actually benefited your mind. Now, first of all, just talk to me about how you flipped that quite bad negative into a positive and then also what did you mean by how it's benefited you yourself oh uh, yeah that so i flipped that negative into a positive i i'd say just because i actually had to kind of like work out like my mind and work out wh- why that was happening and kind of pin down how i could kind of um remedy it so it led to me just like turning to techniques which didn't actually just improve um, the, the tinnitus, but they just actually did wonders for my mental health in general. I think, yeah, I mentioned this in the article as well, but uh, Vipassana meditation or mindfulness meditation, I do that uh, every evening for 15 minutes and it's brilliant. And like, what's the process for that? Just tell the listeners what you, what you do and how you get into that mindset. Mm-hmm. So for Vipassana meditation, it's very different to uh, your classic, what people view as meditation, which may be, you know, um, the stereotypical like sitting on a bed and humming yeah, like, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like imagine you're on a beach and like this this like really you're putting on whale noises yeah, yeah. exactly what, what Vipassana um, or mindfulness meditation is all about is actually um, you don't have to do this but I just sit and you do just complete silence sit in complete silence and like it's kind of an inward process you're just focusing on your mind and mm. um, you're sitting completely still and you're kind of like um yeah you're just focusing your mind on the on the kind of thoughts coming through analyzing them and it and it kind of really gives you um like a, a better view of how your mind works because mm. I, I think we we often don't actually step back and just like analyze our thoughts because you're all just so busy mm. and it just gives you a way to step back and from a third party perspective um like just see what's going on in your head and it really really helped tinnitus um because yeah i was able to kind of rationalize it all through that process and it just it just calmed me down when i was thinking about it to mm. be honest 
for most people, I would imagine tinnitus would be a very difficult thing to manage. Um, but you also happen to be a DJ as well on the touring circuit. So <laughs> you probably go to very loud venues quite a lot of the time. How do you, how do you manage this and, and protect your ears and your mental health while you perform and also in the aftermath when you get home and that sort of process after it? That's the most difficult part by far. Like if, I mean, if you damage one of your senses and it's because of a particular thing, what you what you'd normally do is avoid, avoid the avoid thing, the yeah, thing <laughs> that makes forever, it bad. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, that's why I originally <laughs> thought you got it because you've been DJing for so long that eventually, like the sort of, it's all gone Pete Tong sort yeah. of vibe. Yeah, well, there's a bit of truth in that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny movie, but yeah, there's, it, there is a bit of truth in all that because it happens to a lot of, like, a lot of musicians and a lot of DJs. Um, there's a lot of, um, like, rock bands who's, whose members have just had to like hang up their boots because like they're just, their ears are just, just like, gone. They're just absolutely fried. Yeah, fried. Yeah. yeah. I've heard a few stories about that. Yeah. yeah. Especially old sort of rock bands. Yeah. There was the some, 70s. there was someone really famous who, uh, who quit recently, but I can't remember who it was, but I think um, it was someone like, was it Brian Johnson from yeah. ACDC? Yeah, it, it was, was someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he said his ears are basically almost yeah. gone kaput. Because I, I mean, and I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like, you know, a full-time touring musician, but I, I have a, like quite a lot of gigs here and there. But I mean, for for anyone who's like just um, in that field still, it's just so so important to wear ear protection, like so unbelievably important. Like most um, most sound systems are about like hundred to hundred and ten decibels, mm-hmm. which means that if you're exposed to that for more than like twenty minutes, you're inevitably going to get hearing damage. Uh, when you're DJing, um, you're you're often in that environment for about two hours or more if you do sound check and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's just really important to wear earplugs. There's a brand called ACS which are really good. If anyone... I think mine are Sonos or yeah. something like that. Mine are pretty good. I've spent thirty pounds of them, so they've, oh, they've done some. They served me well over the years. It's good value. Mm. But there's um yeah for any like musicians, there's the musicians um. I think it's called the Musician's Hearing Scheme. Yeah, something like that. You can, you can Google it. but um, We'll put a link in the description of the pod. Y- yeah, yeah, for sure. And you can get um, cheap hearing protection. You can get discounted hearing protection uh, if you just kind of prove that you are a musician or in the music industry. Uh, they come on your house. They, they mould the uh, earplugs to you, which is really fun, by the way. You get someone come around and like squirt foam. For, any, for any musicians listening, <laughs> if you want to do it. Yeah, go get your ear moulded. Go get some <laughs> ACS earplugs because they're bloody great and they've saved my life. Yeah. For anyone who's listening to this pod and might be living with tinnitus as well, what advice or message would you give them? So for people that already have it, now it's all about, um, I'd say, just just don't make it any worse. Just protect your ears because they're so important. And I mean, it's been a blessing for me that it hasn't become like any worse because... I've, I've protected my ears so if you're in environments like that all the time and it can be either like you know I've spoken about nightclubs a lot and and uh, venues because that's like kind of my world but you your know, bread and butter so yeah to speak. but there's yeah. All, you know there's also people that work around um, bars like, gig yeah. venues or even like loud, loud machinery as yep. well it's a yep. sim- it's similar thing just wear ear protection don't be stupid wear ear protection <laughs> it's really does it make you less of a man or a woman to yeah. wear them um, and uh, for people that haven't got it yet, I, I understand that you might be 
sitting here thinking this sounds a bit crazy. Like I haven't even like I, what what well, never happened what, to me. What even stuff is like this? that. Yeah. What even is this? But it it can happen quite acutely as well. If you go out and you're in a really loud environment, um, uh, it can happen really acutely. So always be careful. And uh, there are there are ear, um, there are ear protection behind all bars in the UK legally. So they're pretty ugly. They're like really bright orange, but like you think I've seen a few of them about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so you're you're always they're like, wearing EasyJet mufflers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're quite funny looking. I went through a phase where I just wore those where I got uh, earplugs. So I look like <laughs> like a high vis builder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, they're always available in um, spaces where there's a there is like consistently loud volume, so you can pick those up um, if you're if you're feeling any pain or anything. So yeah. We talked about your experience with tennis, Jack. Now, I just wanted to talk about your, your journey now and, and relating to mental health. So firstly, just tell me about your early life, your childhood, your teenage years, and, and whether there are any mental health experiences during this time that you can pinpoint looking back. So I grew up in South End. South End? It's South End. S-A-A-R-F-E-N-D. Know it, mate. You know it. Yeah, I grew up in South End and then basically moved to Brighton for uni when I was 18 and I met you, obviously. Um, and so your yeah. life got great from that point, didn't oh, it? Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I mean, I got into music at quite an early age. My parents were really into dance music, mm. so... I think that was like a contributing factor to that. And so is their big is their vinyl collection bigger than yours? To be honest, <laughs> I, I started the family vinyl collection. I didn't really collect records, which was strange. But um yeah, um I, I think my mum used to collect a lot of trance CDs. <laughs> well like a guy called Gerald. Yeah, and all that like sort a lot of, of trance like Armin Van Buren and You don't hear it a lot, but like I grew up on trance. <laughs> <laughs> well like nineties, like Paul Oakenfold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you often you often hear, hear like people. Oh, I grew I grew up on I grew up in soul and jazz. There was jazz coming. No, my answer is just trance. Wow. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm joking. But she she did she'd have some of those laying about, and I mm. I um I was kind of exposed to like some of like dance music when I was a bit younger, and it was amazing. I didn't really know what it was yet. Um, did you have dance music? Was it? Were you one of those households that had just like music on all the time? Like yeah. my my house is like that. Like I come and even though my dad's record collection is different to mine he's got like a massive record oh, really? wall like across like a room and then like the vinyl like everyone who's been to my house you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about but there's like a vinyl shelf that goes all the way up to the ceiling like that so did, were, you, were you a household that just had music on all the time like you come back and there was an album getting put on and, yeah, yeah of course it was yeah. more yeah it's more CDs in, in yeah my, in CD my my collection yeah yeah um, yeah it, it, was, it was great and then when I when I moved to Brighton, I started putting on events properly. Mm-hmm. Um, as Max, I, I started a marketing degree, but I've mostly just focused on the event stuff and the music stuff, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, we started something called Soul City, which um, I think we're going to speak about. Like, yeah, we'll talk about that in the DJing journey part. Let's talk about it briefly now, though. You yeah, can always yeah. blend it in together. Yeah, um, so Soul City was basically a party where we would... We would go and dance in kind of like unlikely venues such as like ballrooms mm. oh there was a there it was in a restaurant wasn't there for a yeah, while yeah yeah there was an Italian restaurant yeah that was I can't it remember yeah the name of. I'm not old enough to say this yet like I can't, <laughs> I can't even remember the name 
Yeah, uh, it was only a few years ago. But, um, yeah, there was the Italian restaurant. There was a. Um, was, like a, was there a cabaret place you did it at? There was, yeah, there was the cabaret place, and there was this like there was this um, arts. It's, I can't say arts club. It's obviously another event I ended up doing, but it was an arts club called Bright. It was called Brighton Arts Club. Mm. Um, which, if you if you know about this place, if you lived in Brighton, you'll know about it. But um, it was it was just run by this really kooky um, dominatrix. And <laughs> we, I just it's just a classic really, Brighton. It's a really just a really that's funny so bright. Uh, yeah, like de- we had to deal with. This this dominatrix as our kind of like event. How did you know? I mean, manager. without going into details, how did you know she was a dominatrix? Well, no, it was just on her. On oh, her she Facebook. was public about it. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> okay. She was called like Mistress Something, but then she just rented out the venue as well. So we had to deal with this with this woman when we were doing the events, and it was such a ride. That was like the funniest. That was the funniest time, I swear. But because we ended up we ended up uh, doing that party. DJing off a grand piano with all this like these like huge artworks and the ceiling and it was mm. it was all kind so of So you and Jack Lydon who your he's your sort of co co events uh, man so just yeah, yeah 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 the two Jacks partners in crime yeah um I think you were just known as Lydon and Circuit for ages. I don't think anyone ever referred to you as Jack I think I was like referred to Jack and anyone was like no no he's just known as Circuit I was like cool okay cool. yeah yeah so with with Jack um yeah so Spent many many good times with that guy, but um, yeah, we uh, we did soul scene together. Yeah, that was that was great. And did did you know how to DJ before you came to university? Were you mixing before that, like sort of in your room or some just somewhere that you had some experience of doing it before you jumped in and started running your own nights? Basically, I yeah. guess you were learning on your feet. Yeah, much. I started mixing records when I was 14. Oh, so. bloody hell, so yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to say, like, like 17, six months before uni. Right, okay, yeah. 14. Yeah, I, I started the hard way, and I, I got a pair of turntables when I was 14 and just started mixing. Just Did you, like, ask for it for Christmas or, like, yeah, birthday? Yeah, it was definitely yeah, a yeah, present. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't afford uh, turntables. But, yeah, I started when I was 14, so it's been a, it's been a long while now. So those CDJs or...? No, they, they were turntables. But right. I, I used them with this, like... This um, program called Serato, which means that you you don't actually have to use real records. You can use these like they're not fake records, but they connect up to a laptop. But it's just not really interesting. You can use turntables, but with like MP3s. So then I then I bought records after that. But you kind of get the feel for it, and mm. um, yeah, that was how I that's how I started out. I mean, how long did it take you to get to the point where you were like, okay, I can I can do a great set now, or I feel like I could do a set to a crowd? Because I guess. I mean, the hardest part of DJing and people that don't people don't understand it is that the first rule of DJing is read the room. Mm. But if you're doing it in your room, in your own room, it's a bit harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like hands in the air, just like my mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always with a positive trance. opinion. <laughs> just, put on trance. Just wants trance. Any requests? No, don't do requests. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I can't practice because I actually started. Oh god, this is awful! But I actually started DJing in like these, you know, those like really awful under eighteen clubs. Yep. Yeah, but I know like, the ones. Yeah, <laughs> I probably those, went to a few of them back in the day. Those kind of parties and under like, the ray under the radar. I think we used to have back in the day in London. <laughs> well, well, in South End. Who's the The music was just the music was like hideous looking back. But obviously, it's all it's all a learning process. But um, 
yeah, I, I used to play these these parties when I was like 16, 17, and they were quite fun. I guess that was that was practice and how to what, read, read the crowd. Read a crowd, yeah. Or you just putting on like really mainstream funky house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, are you going to bang down? Right. Oh, <laughs> Spend just, shoulders, knees, and toes in the migraine like, skank. Hideous like dubstep phase. Oh, you mean do you mean the bro step? Yeah, yeah, like really like that. Not like, actual dubstep, like bro step yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we talk about like tinnitus and stuff. Like, oh my, that God. just creates it, doesn't it? All those subwoofers. Like yeah. that. That is the that's the period. Like just to go back to tinnitus quickly. That was a period where, like, I probably damaged my ears quite a lot, mm. and like that's that's what I didn't really mention was like the kids should be educated about their ears and like damage to it as well mm. um to them i should say um yeah so yeah i mean started out in, in those under 18 clubs really <laughs> that's, that's my, the formative years um you became known in our year group because of the club nights that you put on as you know not just a great selector whenever whenever i used to see you um but also just like a very sort of extroverted person well at least on the surface as well you sort of you know you knew quite a lot of people you're quite connected when you were learning these skills as an events manager or a, or, play, or a club promoter, essentially, did you ever feel any pressure to put on these, like keep the consistency up? Did you ever feel any imposter syndrome about how successful they were getting as well? Um, being being honest, we like we just kind of took it as it as it came mm. with the events. You had no worries, basically. No, it was, it was a really great time. I guess that's a great position to be in, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like not 19, 20, and you're just like... Cause, because it wasn't really like a... It's not really like a job when it's with your friends. It kind of is a job, I guess, but when it's with your friends... It doesn't feel like work. No, yeah. you can... Yeah, if you screw up, you're learning, and your friend might point out something and be like, look, you screwed up there or you really didn't do great for the event there. So you do feel pressure, but you're only accountable to your best friend, mm. which is, which is fun. So, <laughs> yeah. so really and the not, dominatrix. Yeah. yeah. And the dom- and, yeah. And the dominatrix as well. <laughs> and like, just, yeah, that's what it was. There was, there's pressure on it, but it was just a really nice environment to Pure be time. pressured yeah. in because you're just like, you're learning the ropes with your friends, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's great. When you leave university now and you're out into the big wide world, did you want to pursue club promoting and DJing as a full time career, or were you not sure about the path you wanted to take when you sort of initially graduated? Oh God, I I since graduating, I haven't had a clue what I want to do or which pathway I want to take, mm. and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't see I, that would cause me so much stress. Yeah, it's just weird. I, I've never I've never ever stuck to one thing. I've always Always. But that's also a good thing because yeah. you've got skills in multi multifaceted areas, basically. Yeah, but then I do get these moments like I'll I'll sit there and just think like, what am what am I doing? Yeah, sometimes there are mm. moments where I'm like, you do feel kind of pressure, and it come it kind of I guess comes from family as as well when you know you get the older generations that I mean in a way they don't kind of. Um, they, they they don't kind of understand. There's a, there's this kind of like millennial mindset, I guess, mm. which is a lot more like the kind of the variety of life, going traveling about, switching careers, like willy nilly. Not everyone's like that, but that's kind of what I am. And maybe there's a kind of pressure, um, sometimes to you know lead that kind of like one path. Mm. Um, but yeah, since since uni, I, I mean. As you as you know, I I just left from Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got an off. island. So I mean, <laughs> no, the answer I didn't know what I was gonna do. 
Um, you started Arts Club fairly recently, I believe. Now, just tell me a bit about that and how it started and what you wanted to achieve with it. So, Arts Club is a, a charitable event series. We put on music events, we put on uh, art exhibitions, we do talks over London uh, where we will donate to various charitable causes. We've done, we've done one in aid of um, the Musicians Hearing Scheme that I spoke about earlier. There's one a charity that we had uh, for homelessness as well. And we also are now donating every um, party's profits to Bubble Club, which is uh, basically an organisation which provides spaces, um, inclusive spaces, for people with various um, learning difficulties to go out and party kind of without, um, you know... Fear of stigma or sort of exclusion or stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. an amazing organisation and we're, we're donating um, profits at mm. all of our events in 2020 to Bubble Club. And who runs it? Is it you, yourself, or are there other people who help you out? There's me and there's there's my friend Joe and also my friend Jats. Excellent. Three of us. And they all sound like really excellent initiatives. Um, for anyone who wants to try and get involved in Arts Club, whether it's they've got art to put on or they want to come to an event, where can they go and how can they find out more? So we have a Facebook page and Instagram page which have the same handle. So it's Art Club LDN. It's quite funny, actually, because everyone... Because everyone like in the world, there's always an arts club that people are at, and they, they always tag us in. So you <laughs> so go, oh, that's great uh, SEO. Yeah, we have it all the time. It's so funny. Excellent. Uh, yeah, just thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, it's Arts Club LDN uh, on both Facebook and Instagram. If you've got anything, any ideas, if you are in music or you're an artist, and you're a designer, um, if you can contribute anything. Just I'm shout. sure there's a few vendors and people I can connect you with who would be interested in finding out more, Jack, Sweet. for sure. Um, what effect does doing those nights actually have on your mental health as well? You know, obviously, you don't ever want to do something to make... You don't, you don't want to ever do something from a selfish point of view, but it must make you feel good to, to do these nights and help these people. Yeah, for sure. It really does. It gives a kind of uh, meaning to it all. A purpose, would you say? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I think the, the biggest one, because I didn't really mention before, but for Soul City, we ran a we ran an event that I don't know if you were at, but it was called the Festival for Peace. Where I don't think I ever came to that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's when it's when the we had a lot of choice back then. Sorry, I didn't unfortunately cross my mind. <laughs> Not as much choice now, unfortunately, in Brighton yeah. with the amount of club shutting. But that's a different conversation. Because we've left, mate. Yeah, no, we left, we left the Jack. sesh. Yeah, the sesh came with us. <laughs> Um, no, like we ran a party for Soul City called the Festival for Peace, and and that was when the uh, jungle camp was up in Calais, and all the refugees when there was an influx of them, and obviously there was just so much aid needed, and the profits from that party, and that was with jo uh, John Morales, went towards building like a kind of small makeshift health centre. We actually saw that. Wow, that must yeah. have been quite powerful for you. Yeah, yeah. and so that for, like, that, for example, that was on a much bigger scale than Arts Club, um, and you, we still get the same like great uh, feelings from it, but just stuff like that makes you feel kind of all warm inside, you know? Mm. You also dabble in graphic design, which is, I think, I think would be fair to say. Um, where would you say your skill set and your ambitions lie going to the future? We talked about it a bit previously, but it's fair to say that you have quite a broad range of skills. Are you still <laughs> figuring that out? 
would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't really know what I'm mm. what I'm doing. I think I'm doing, <laughs> I think I I think I'm like I'm like yeah, just like tripping and falling my way through my 20s and what a great and, mindset to have i wish i, I could do, be and, like that yeah good thing too much anxiety <laughs> and planning and planning my life ahead of 10 years in the future oh man yeah i just yeah i wish i, I could be as laid back as you mate. god <laughs> world would be such an easier place to navigate yeah, yeah. there's there's all there's there's always uh there's always worries about it as i said i, I do get these like nagging feelings at the moment mm. that come from inside I think that's being 25 mate I yeah think. yeah i'm 26 are you 26 now, now? oh god yeah, i'm 26 so in april so definitely the wrong the 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 wrong i, I mean we can't say we're old yet but it's the wrong side of 20 uh, it's when it's yeah it's when it's I when guess, you round up to yeah, 30. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly but I feel like I feel like there's a there's a certain kind of like pressure that gets put on at that point where you feel like you've got to build momentum with and, it's com- and it's comparing to other people as well they might have yeah. been a not better place than you or like financially or otherwise yeah. and you go oh I wish I it's that comparison thing isn't exactly. it exactly that's yeah. why social media is awful because like you, we're we're in this world where we're just constantly seeing pictures of people's like success that probably isn't even the true story uh, that is just like compounded over social mm. media and it does make you think like it's like going on a bit of a tangent I know I like this it's good yeah it does it does make you think like it make make you think about your own life but mm. like it's not really it's not really real I mean, no, I'd sort of joke that I probably muted more people than I follow at the moment yeah purely because of I mean that probably isn't the case but it's probably not far off it because genuinely you see people on Instagram and then you see them in real life maybe and you're just like you're so boring yeah like you're not the person you are on Instagram yeah like just stop living a fake life please yeah well it's crazy but in, in a way we all, we all kind of we, we all do it in a way do, yeah but you've all, I think I've definitely made a more of a proactive effort to a not as post as much because I don't post as much anyway. But most of my stuff's just event related now. Yeah. Or just I'm at a gig. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I put on my Instagram literally my gig <laughs> on my bio. Gig yeah. snaps will be me in the dance or mental health. So at least you know what you're getting. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and yours probably the same. Like yours is arts club. Yours yeah. is music. So. At least if people are seeing your stories or whatever, it's wholesome stuff. It's not like, oh, look at me in this place, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, when it's, when it's kind of like self-centred and like quite doctored as well, when people, people use a lot of like... All the filters. I don't filters. even know how you do it, mate. I'm still working out Instagram. Yeah. There's stuff I've not even seen. Like, I only found out about those filter stuff and the... Do you know the thing where you do the, the get, you get your phone and you just like, what Simpsons character are you? Oh, I didn't yeah. even know, I didn't know how to do those until recently. <laughs> yeah, man. So... Yeah, it like you know social media and stuff. It does, it does make that kind of like I guess that little fear in the back of my head a bit a bit worse. It's like oh, what am I what am I gonna be up to in a few years? Like because I don't I don't really know. I think I'm. That's I think a good. I'm, I think that's a good place to be. In yeah, yeah, maybe. I to be honest, mate. I I'm I'm really. Um, I've always been like this. You have yeah. ever since uni. I knew you. You're yeah. just like I was just like yeah. yeah. You've got, a lot, you've got a lot of work on, Jack? Yeah, I've got a few essays in June next week. I've not done any of them yet, but, well, I'll get them done. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting. A wide skill set is, is really good. And you know what? On a, on, a, on a more positive note, it's really good to have a wide skill set nowadays. Mm. We're in such a fast-moving world that it's, like, just super important. And Look at what, TikTok. Yeah. The kids coming up are now video yeah. editors, digital editors, and they don't even have jobs yet. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. making me get anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And, like, just, like coding and stuff yeah i, I, I want to try and learn that in the in the future because it's crazy that that you know even like kids now are learning it on yeah. ipads when they're like 
six. Yes, that is really, that, I mean, honestly, mate, I mean, it's the digital stuff that I tr- I want to try and get like skilled up on at least, yeah. you know, sound editing, video editing, because it, yeah. it gives you a trade that you can do. Your, it's like a trade, it is a trade. Exactly. They are trades. So, I mean, I definitely want to try and at least skill myself up and Vent has been a really good way from, from a selfish point of view to do that in, in some cases, you know, yeah. website editing and copy editing and all that sort of well, stuff. Big up to Vent. Thank so, you. It's going thank very you, well. Yeah, I'm speaking you. to Lloyd, one of the... One of the past. Big up Lloyd, uh, vent champion, yeah. pod, pod guest, pod yeah. interviewer for me. <laughs> we were chatting about vent. We were just saying, oh, amazing. Like, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, because uh, um, I was chatting to him just coming up to this, this show. Like um, Lloyd and I are going to be working on some like projects together in the... Uh, the PBC. Yeah, yeah, we won't, yeah. We won't, we won't get. I mean, I might ask for an exclusive, but you don't have to reveal it if you don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, we we were we were chatting during that and just saying it's going great, man. You're doing well. Thanks, man. He's an example. We're just talking about of he does everything. I mean, like he yeah. does modelling, he does like photography work. Then he's running some event. Then he says, "I was like, how do you do this?" So he's like. Fred, you know, I just do everything. You know, I just put my, put my put a finger in a lot of pies. I was like, fair play. Yeah. Fair play. We've we've moulded these two topics together, which I think has been really good now. I think I just wanted to go back to your DJing journey. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about how you got into it, age you were, and all that sort of stuff. What inspired you to start mixing? Was it your parents or was it just a love for music? Like me, you know, you're a massive music nerd and you just wanted to get more actively involved in it. Yeah, I mean, that, that is pretty much it. You hit the nail on the head. In terms of being a music nerd, I wouldn't just, like, listen to music. I'd kind of always, from an early age, kind of delve into, like, the history of it and, like, probably similarly, you know... I read a book every time I get a new genre. I yeah, discover a new genre. exactly. No, you look, yeah, like, even over there... I've got For the listeners, so, we're pointing out Jack's bookcase. Yeah, my, my bookcase has just even just got, like, you know, there's one rave art there. Yeah. And, I've got uh, one called Love Saves the Day. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 400 pages one. on. I had one on reggaeton I've recently, recently yeah. read, so that was really good. There's a good one about yeah. has, the Hacienda there called Factory, which is a great book. I might have to buy that after this mate you can you can borrow it after this um <laughs> Amazing. But, but yeah i got into mixing uh just as a as a byproduct of that because mm. it's just like um I, I try i tried to learn the guitar and sing and stuff when i was younger but that didn't that didn't quite go as planned so i never had the dedication to do the guitar the music that <laughs> instrument stuff but it's really annoying because i've always wanted to start mixing and i've always kept saying like i buy a day but when i'm listening to my ipod and I'm, I'm walking i'm going I can, I've got a really good song, like a song I can, <laughs> I can blend into this one. And like, I get that, I get that mindset yeah. and it's really annoying. I just wish I could do it, but maybe one day I'll be able to, to do it. Um, who are your favourite, this is a big question, who are your favourite artists growing up and how did they influence your journey? Um, Off the top of your head, we could all do, we could do a separate music pod yeah. about that, but... Uh, Roy Ayers is like my favorite. the man. He's my favorite artist of all time. How many times have you seen him? I think I've seen him twice. I've, I think I've seen him twice. Yeah. Well, Jazz Cafe. Know. I've seen him. I've seen him at Deck Mantle Festival. Yeah. Oh no, three times. Deck yeah. Mantle. I saw him at. That, yeah. that was he. He's seventy eight. I think he is now. Something ridiculous. Brilliant. Still going. Yeah, yeah. Like that guy is amazing. Like mm. I, I did this thing where. Um, I don't really do it anymore. I don't really know why, but what I do when I listen to music, I wouldn't listen to like sporadically like playlists or whatever. I would actually go through, go to an artist, and that's this is the wonders of Spotify. I would go to an artist and listen from their first song to their last song, every song I do. they'd ever made, all their, their all their discography, just, just find the, the discography. best albums, all of it, go all through yeah, it, like start to finish. And if you do that 
listeners with Roy Ayres, you're in for a treat. I mean, it would take you at least four years because yeah. <laughs> he's got about <laughs> 70 albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but that guy, man, he's brilliant. And um, and anyone else I could think of? Tyler, the creator, is another one. Really? Like, okay, that's, that's he, good to know. Yeah, because someone... Because I, I basically listen to a, a lot of hip-hop mm. and um, he is someone that's kind of like transcending that that kind of category mm. and it, he's someone that kind of made quite um quite like outlandish statements back in the day yeah I back think. in the day yeah. that's the thing he's but he's like his kind of progression as someone when he was a when he was a kind of a kid he was he was just saying some really weird stuff to now where he's actually making some like really introspective interesting like artistic music like it, the, the progression of that artist I love seeing that progression over time mm. and like yeah love him he's great when you started DJing how did you define your sound and the records that you enjoyed mixing you know how many hours were you putting in to develop that skill set because obviously you can mix and mixing for the sake of mixing is obviously great but how did you define your sound as a DJ that could play not only one specific sound but be able to do it consistently mm-hmm. I think the the sound isn't a, a product of hours put in it's quite a natural progression i think and it stems from like my kind of personal taste when i when i listen to music at home it's always like either soul music or hip-hop music and obviously there's massive elements of like soul and funk in that as well and the dance music that i play always has elements of that where it's like you know a gospel singer um or particular instruments and so yeah it, it just kind of came naturally to be honest i don't really know where soul and all of that came about, really, because I wasn't really... It wasn't a huge, huge influence when I was younger. Mm. Maybe it's... I, I don't know. I was saying maybe it's because of Jack, but he only discovered, discovered it when he was, like, 19. So maybe it was Brighton. Mm. Maybe that, that was where the soul came about. Mm. And as far as peers or mentors go, what DJs in the, in the scene did you look up to um, as to how you could get better when you were starting out? but also influenced the way you mixed and how you brought your own personality into your performances. So, for example, Carl Cox is a really good example of how he's, for me, he's been at the top of the game for 30, 25 years. But as a character, every yeah. single person loves him. Oh, yes, oh, yes, fantastic. Like, all his ad-libs, the way he DJs, he brings the whole of himself into his DJ sets. Mm -hmm. What could you say about that? Yeah, I think there's, um, on the kind of technical side, there's a guy called uh, Ricardo Villalobos who you love Ricardo don't yeah. you yeah and he's I remember he's, seeing him at, at Deck Mantle I wasn't massively impressed but you yeah. you loved him you loved that I remember we said you loved that set yeah. didn't you and I was like oh I don't think it was his greatest I just, set I just, he's like the campus straight man alive <laughs> I just I just love him he's so like he's he when he's when he's DJing he would just like just like flick his hair all the time and like do these all like spins it's just so funny to watch but he's also amazing mm, at mixing. should also like, say that yeah he he plays like for about 15 hours at a time which by the way i don't really i don't really know how anyone does that um but he'll he'll play these, like extremely long sets he's like famous for these like fabric mm. sets that mm. he'll start his set at like five in the morning and he'll, he'll finish at like 3 p.m people like wake up for it and stuff um and some people will stay out for it but um he he just manages at that time to go into like territories that not a lot of other electronic music djs go into it's like there's it's four four music for listeners out there who aren't like into music and stuff that's just like 
four four. Um, it's four four music, but he just he just puts all these like curveballs in there that are just crazy, and it's music that you won't be able to ID with, with your phone. Like you just you'll never find it, and you're like, where has he even got that song from? Where did it even come from? So uh, Villa Lobos for the music, and then um, for the personality. DJ Harvey. Yeah. We were, we were, we were chatting, we were chatting about, about this off air, yeah. weren't we? DJ Harvey is the god. Yeah, such a personality, man. I just absolutely love him. He's he's just brilliant. There's a cat. What's the picture, the classic picture of him with a knife in his mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, that sounds very, like, that sounds horrible to say, like, if for people listening, you don't know what the picture is, but he's, <laughs> there's a picture of him smiling with a mat with a knife in between his, t- his gnashes, and he's, like, grinning massively, and he looks pretty yeah. hilarious the, just yeah. a massive sign of his personality the, the yeah. guy the guy just like when he, when he was starting out was just like throwing these insane parties and I was I was saying he like used to used to run these kind of like sordid parties on, on an island with these hedonism like, is the word we yeah. use for that for those yeah. parties I think sordid is also yeah, yeah. yeah that, 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 that counts that's, yeah. that's a good podcast mm. word um so um yeah he he just is great he's got an amazing personality when he's mixing and uh yeah hedonism yeah there we go <laughs> yeah, yeah that's hedonism. the best way yeah, hedonism. hedonism yeah hedonistic hedonistic yeah. <laughs> hedonistic activities there we go. um we should also say that every dj has at least one bad set you know some might have nine or ten some might have loads in their career just tell me about one particular time where the set didn't go well what happened how did you feel in the midst of it at afterwards and what did you learn from it? Yeah, one stands out, which it, which was, there's a guy called Blauam who plays like... Big techno DJ. What people call like nosebleed techno. Which yeah, is just like Berlin this, sort of techno. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is just like... Pounding, pumping yeah. pounding techno which i was kind of, which i was i was kind of into when i was younger but um now now i don't really listen to as much but i was i was playing after him and it was in a it was in a club called life in brighton which oh r.i.p in, life yeah r.i.p r.i.p life. life yeah where we go but uh, it, it was rebirthed as some kind of like i thought it was like a beach cave. was it oh right <laughs> it's like the, the, the tempest and, like but there's like what looked like kind of like paper mache rocks on the walls. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it was rebirthed as something else. So, um, uh, and what was I saying? Oh yeah. So a bad set after after Blauan, he he just finished. And I was still using that software I was talking about called Serato, where you would put these like they look like records. You put them on the turntables and you like hook your laptop up. And Blauan was just playing um, records. And I came in, I was like 19, and I came in with this laptop and I put this record on after, and basically he was still mixing. I didn't really realise. And I just like cut the whole music uh, by accident. And um, yeah, couldn't really get, couldn't really, I'd like unplug something by accident. And um, I was like, yeah, I was thinking I was like quite drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't help. And uh, yeah, he was like, he's like renowned. So that was pretty bad. And I felt... How did he react to it? You like really apologetic? He wasn't happy. Right, okay. He was very stern. (laughs) So he he wasn't... I mean, obviously, I think if you were any DJ, you'd be quite pissed off. But there wasn't any sort of understanding like, this is a kid who's starting out and maybe he's made a massive cock up. I think that was the reason why he was so annoyed. (laughs) 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 Because he was just like, he's like, well, who is this kid? 
Um, so I must have looked really young then. I, I was like, yeah, at 19, fresh, fresh on the scene. But yeah, felt really bad afterwards and he didn't take it very well. So, um, you know, you get those moments where it kind of sticks with you for quite mm. a while and mm. it just like lingers. Um, don't really think about it much anymore, but that was pretty horrible for the first few months. Mm. I'd only been DJing properly for like a year at that point. So, yeah. And what did you learn from it? <laughs> I learned, me obvious. I learned never to use Serato ever again. I wow, never, okay. Because like, it's bad PR for Serato right now, but yeah. fuck it. <laughs> I've got return tables and I've got all records. They work, you put them on, press play, and they play. With, with that stuff, you know, when you involve a laptop in it, it's a lot of stuff going mm. wrong. So. For anyone uh, listening to the pod who might want to start to DJ or club promote as well, what advice would you give them? Okay, so advice for aspiring DJs, get turntables, don't get CDJs. If you want to learn the craft, then um, get some turntables. It's, it's a much more involved process because you you're using your mind a lot more and it would just be a lot more fun. And I'm not like a purist for records, but if you want to mix and you want to enjoy it, I'd say, um, I'd say get turntables. And if you want to... Um, if you want to just play around, you can also just get like a controller, like a Pioneer one for like £250 or whatnot. And they're really good. So I just suggest get some gear, try it out. Um, we're, we're really lucky now to have um, like stuff where we can connect up to like Spotify now. Mm. So you can really easily get involved uh, yeah. if you just want to um, get some gear. Uh, for, for club promoters... Or like yeah. events managers and stuff like that, um, putting on a night. Yeah, events yeah. managers. Yeah. Just be prepared for a ride. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can say that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Doing just checking in live. Yeah, stepped into that kind yeah. of area. It's I uh, jumped in rather than stepped, but yeah. it's going well. There's yeah. been some mistakes along the way and some learnings, but yeah, yeah. Man. You only you only learn through those mistakes. You only learn by doing it. Yeah. it's crazy. Like as I said, during university, I learned so much more about even just marketing because I did a marketing degree but I learned so much more even just about marketing just by doing events and actually stepping foot inside it and you learn so many different things if you want to get involved it's amazing because not only do you learn all about how to market your events which just transfers over to so many other areas you also learn how to deal with so many different types of people when you're like liaising with artists you also um learn about kind of um like how how the music industry works is really interesting. It's really great. I recommend it, but it's hard. So, <laughs> good luck. We've talked about Jack Circuit, the DJ. We've talked about your musical journey. One thing that I really wanted to talk about with you, Jack, is the article that you first wrote for Venn, which was the first one you did, which is the way that men's health is treated and viewed in the music industry and the DJing community. Now, for those who haven't read your article, just give the listeners a snapshot of it and the issues that we covered. Yeah, so I wrote the article kind of off the back of the death of Avicii. It was really interesting. AKA Tim Bergling, who was yeah. a pretty big what, superstar DJ. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace Avicii. Yeah, um, and it, it kind of off the back of um, a string of other musicians speaking out about their mental health. Well, I, should, I should say DJs, because it, mm. was, it was the DJs that I saw that spoke mm. out. That so who, really, the, who are the ones that you saw that were quite prominent or uh, meant a lot to you that yeah, were speaking out? So there was like, there was, there was Benga who... It's a dubstep DJ. Yeah, yeah. who I uh, listened to quite a lot when I was younger, who who had to just like 
basically just quit quit music, music. yeah he made a long um, Twitter thread didn't he yeah, about it a few um, years ago and also Ben Pierce, who who just took a break I believe I don't know if he's uh, back touring again now but for the same reasons um, just uh, for it being kind of um, really really taxing on them but I mean in in the article I just touched on how um, a, a DJs and like a musicians like, touring schedule with all of the um, with all the the pressures around it and all like the um, all the kind of vices that are that they're exposed to, it can just cause this just like whirlwind of like chaos and destruction. A maelstrom, yeah. And yeah. it doesn't happen with everybody, but it's it's those individuals that are quite susceptible um, to those things. Or maybe have like addictive personality stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. often that's where you often you know see uh, really really horrible things mm. kind of happen. Um, in the article, you try and strip back this glamorous image of the superstar DJ going to all the parties, playing to massive crowds, and living excessively to the reality of just a human being doing their job. Now, firstly, why can this stereotype be quite dangerous in creating a false image of what all DJs do? from one end of the spectrum to the other. And also, what are the realities and truths that people don't see, you know, whether that be working hours, impact on relationships, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy uh, lifestyle if you're going and touring all the time as a, as a DJ. You are, when you're, when you're actually gigging, you're filled with, like, this room of, like, people that kind of are just, like, admiring you and, it's, and you, when you step off the stage... Um, you are then just back into the normal world, and it happens with musicians as well, where that where they will um, they will kind of step off the stage and they will um, experience this like depression afterwards mm. because they've just been in this like insane environment with like thousands and thousands of people, and they step off and it's just like uh, their their normal life again, and um, the the kind of like image of um, that like that person that DJ is like they're, they're kind of put on a pedestal nowadays and like kind of like idolised and they're given like they're just given everything and I'm talking about that like, you're like the huge DJs and when they go to parties um, that you know it comes are quite narcissistic and you know everyone wants a piece of them and yeah, you know exactly. blowing smoke up their ass and all that sort of yeah, stuff exactly. yeah exactly and um, as a result like their relationships don't tend to be um, that real and because they're because they're always traveling from place to place um it there's always there's this like kind of transient like nature to their job where they'll just they'll just meet um like people for like one or two days and then they'll go on to the next place so there's never really a chance to form like solid like relationships in one place and mm-hmm. also like the kind of um the concept of like a home as well is quite strange because and it's so important for mental health for us to have like a concept of home and one place where we can always just like you know go go back to like a base camp but people that are touring all the time they like live out of hotel rooms that don't really have like a a part of their soul in them so it's it's just it's just like quite a lonely experience it's it's just a bit of a dichotomy between just like being on stage and it being obviously not a lonely experience at all like loads mm-hmm. of like adoring people looking up at you to going back to like a hotel room with like no one there and mm. it just the, just that contrast mm. yeah you spoke about the you know the likes of Benga and Ben Pierce who have spoken out about their mental health in recent years there's also a lot of artists that that we who have spoken out about their mental health 
and some we've actually lost. Um, we were mentioning, uh, we were talking about the impact that you know Mac Miller had on both of us off air, um, and how emotional it was, especially well, particularly for me that that we lost him. Um, I think it was last year or maybe the year before. Just talk to me about the impact that that Mac Miller had on you and actually the culture that he became embroiled in and why that was a problem. Yeah, um, I absolutely love his music and it's like such a tragedy um, that he that he went. But um, it's kind of a result of the normalization of like drug culture and especially it's especially like rap and hip hop in in the US where um, like rappers like that in, in all in like, all their songs there's like references like to alcohol and, and drug intake as something which is like kind of normal and glorified uh, yeah, yeah even glorified mm. no, definitely glorified yeah mm. and it and that like normalization of like drug culture has just led to like, so many deaths because people mm. like people just like over well, the opioid crisis you know yeah. xanax and yeah um, percocet exactly. and all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah exactly and and um I feel yeah for like a lot of musicians in America a lot of a lot of uh like a lot of rappers are kind of there's another guy called Juice World. I don't know if you yeah he passed away sadly and he yeah. was he was also an, an overdose from mm. um, from like a combination of uh, like Xanax and, and and a couple of other things and it's just the same thing because like, in all, in all of his songs it was just like all about Xanax mm. <laughs> like um, so it's just really interesting how like the normalization of drug culture um, in in that kind of scene has just led to so many deaths and. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't really know what can be done about it, but it's, I mean, it's always been kind of prevalent in music, I guess, but not so much as today. Yeah, like, I think there's elements of it in, in the UK culture. I mean, I love drill music, but there's a lot of stuff about drug yeah. dealing in yeah. drill in, in drill songs. Um, and that's, that's problematic. Um, yeah. I don't know how you solve that because people are reflecting their own stories. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have and, and something that I think is definitely worth having. Going back to sort of artists talking about their mental health, you know, why is it important that more DJs and producers like yourself um, feel safe in, in sharing their experiences and, and creating a culture where mental health openness is normalised? Yeah, it's, it's super important because um, if, you're, if you're always like going out and doing gigs and that's your kind of like life, you often don't have the time to actually just like stop and think about it and what like any musicians should do it's just like once in a while take a break and just see where they're at mentally and it was even just, I was saying about be persona meditation again even if you just do that take a break think about it and then know where you're at and just chat with somebody it's so important mm. even just having a little chat about something you're feeling is just like super important and um I know I know we were just talking about like Denga and Ben Pierce who took like um, you know, hiatuses off of music. I think Benger is now has now like quit. Um, mm. I'm not entirely sure, but they did the right thing. They spoke out about it. They like quoted their like insane touring schedules, um, especially for DJs as well, because like they 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 can just turn up with like a USB stick and just like they can play like three gigs in one night, and they could do that for like three nights in a row if they wanted to mm. so um yeah you, i think as as one of those guys you just need to take a step back sometimes and mm. and uh just like reflect and speak to someone if it's all getting a bit too much have you seen a shift change in not just your own dj friends but also in the wider conversation when it comes to mental health yeah definitely yeah 100 percent. i mean i i think that vent has come an amazing time thank it's you like mate. A, yeah it just works and because it's it's just the uprising of people just speaking out about 
um, about mental health um, is is wonderful. And I think, yeah, definitely, definitely with musicians that um, that's happened more, and with DJs, like my with my friends as well. Definitely, I mean, we um, we did our first arts club event for a um, for a charity, which basically urges musicians to come out and like talk about their um their mental health and it's called music minds matter and that that came up as a result of you know more more musicians um you know djs like speaking out about their mental health so um should probably mention it earlier but they i mean can we, we put a link you can put we can put a link we can put a link in the description yeah, of the pod that, as well, there'll yeah. be a link to that um in the in the description of the pod and that's like a great way if you're like it's just a helpline they have mm. basically mm. just to talk about um you know if you're a musician dj and you you do have like mental health issues caused by touring schedules or any other things like loneliness or whatever and it's that's a helpline mm. and just finally for any djs who might be listening to this pod uh and might be struggling with their mental health what advice would you give them um, from your own experiences obviously we're not doctors or counsellors but what, what would you say to them if you could uh, get some sleep <laughs> that's it that is important when we laugh that's genuinely important no you know what like it's I never realised how important sleep was until I until I read a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker and great book if you haven't read it by the way and and like I just realised a really fascinating thing that I heard that I never knew before was that if you don't get your, I mean, it's on average like seven, eight, yeah, seven, seven to eight, eight yeah, 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 yeah. in that range. If you don't get that, you can't recoup the health benefits afterwards. You, so if you if you sleep for like five hours and then you sleep for ten hours the following night, that doesn't mean you've recouped the benefits of that previous night's sleep. It's really interesting. So if you miss, like, an, if you miss a night's sleep after you've been like heavily going out and uh, and, and doing what whatever, because um, DJs often will play like in, in the morning. Uh, just like make sure we get make sure we get some sleep afterwards. It's really important, and also just just try and just <laughs> just try and just like be careful about what you do when you're out. Um, you know. Our final topic of conversation, Jack, and it's one I have with all my special guests, is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, how would you say your mental health is at the moment, mate? I think it's I, I think it I think it's pretty good. I'm 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 quite in control of, of it at the moment. I'd say that my mind during at university and the years that like came after when I was out and about, like travelling and stuff, my mind was a bit of a mess then. Mm. Uh for a multitude of reasons that we can kind of talk talk about. Yeah, like, let's go like, into it. Yeah, crack yeah, into it. Yeah. Um, but uh, n- I mean, now I feel I feel really good. I think like London's a re- like really nice, like stable place, and I can. Uh, I'm, I mean, we're sitting here in my, my room with my plants, and uh, <laughs> it's, I, 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 um, I'm happy here. And uh, meditation has has really really helped me with that. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in a good place now. Yeah. And if you felt comfortable saying what what mental health um, conditions, if any, do you live with, and how do they affect you in your day to day life? Yeah. So, I think I had um, I had I had quite a lot of anxiety when I was um, when I I mean between kind of when I was about nineteen till um, till about like kind of a few years ago mm. because of a uh, just. Because I just hit it so hard at uni, like I was just always out and 
Um, the, I think all of us were. I think Sussex was a pretty part of uni, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, all that just like accumulated, and then and then I went away and like and uh, lived on this like party island in Cambodia for a while. <laughs> Hit it very very hard there as well, and and then I just came out of it all, and I was just like, oh my god, like my mind, and it was through my own doing, was just a bit like a bit like frazzled, and I really burn out. That. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'd always I'd get like quite a lot of social anxiety even though that I didn't I really ever show it because on mm. the surface I'm quite an extroverted guy but um, yeah but uh, I think I mean that's definitely it's definitely improved now and as I said tinnitus is a really interesting one because it actually it actually um, led me to kind of understand my own mind and actually because you can what people don't realise is that you can actually like mental health is something that you can like pinpoint you can pinpoint the cause you can pinpoint uh, triggers really, and all that yeah, sort of stuff yeah if you really yeah. think about it it's something that you can you can really um really control if you try mm. and that that was like tinnitus was a, a kind of blessing in disguise to me because it allowed me to you know take on methods to really understand my own mind and mm. it's really helped me what age do you think you were when you first realized that these feelings that you were having weren't physical when they were actually in your own head um i mean yeah, I think the rise of I think the rise of kind of like mental health education was really good in that, and it was about I'd say probably about like twenty one or twenty two when I mm. started to kind of realise um, how how it all worked and why I was feeling these things. I I don't know how it is for other people, but I think around I think around like twenty four, twenty five, around kind of around this age, you start to kind of work out things about yourself that you never. We're the first generation to do that. Hopefully, your younger generations can do it earlier yeah. because they have the tools to help them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. and you start, and I think you, and it's just in my experience, but you start to kind of realise the triggers and the cues of why you mm. you feel a certain way, um, and yeah i think i think the rise of uh, mental health education is like super important what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health so that could be uh things people say sounds sensations and especially related to, related to your tinnitus as well uh, triggers for um, mental health yeah i think i think when people um i think it's like this for a lot of people when people do uh do say stuff that's um on the surface, they might not think is actually, you know... They try and get into you about something, and it... Yeah, yeah and, and I get you. And, 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 it happens to me a lot. And I get that thing where, I, where it, like, it gets at me for, like, months on end, mm. and I just can't... Or just, the, or just like, the certain, a certain way that, like, someone will kind of act, and I get it in their mind that they're not... Like, Do they like me? I don't really know. Mm. And, like, certain things like that, I'm, I'm quite susceptible to... Um, uh, feelings like that I get I get quite hung up on things mm. I think yeah so. do you ever find that um, this is something that, that used to happen to me quite a lot because we're both quite extroverted people and I guess people make assumptions about us and what, what have you did you ever feel like you get this thing where you might meet someone for the first time and they might make a comment about you and you're like you don't know me well enough to say that that sort of stuff and it sort of annoys it grates on you a little bit yeah, and, they, yeah. yeah. and your mind just has this uh your mind just has this ability to to like come to conclusions and then compound those conclusions into something which is actually like so much bigger than what the original thing was you know mm. and that's what that's what I can do quite a lot and I'm I'm quite sensitive in that way and and there you know been times where stuff will just eat away at me and like yeah <laughs> <laughs> What what tools and methods do you use in your own life to improve your mental health? Um, you obviously me- me- mentioned the meditation, but which ones have you found that have worked, and which ones you found that haven't? Maybe. 
Um, I I really think um, apart from meditation, which I I mean I've already spoken about that at length, but exercise and like running especially has been really important. I used to I used to like, lift a lot of weights when I was younger because mm. I, I that was my idea of exercise. Mm. And um, again, this is another example. When you get a bit older, you start to kind of pinpoint stuff and realize why you're doing certain things. When I was younger, I used to lift weights because I was trying to like get a nice physique. That's mm. my idea of health. Mm. But now I ju- now I just run. Mm. So I'm like, it, it's so much. It's just so much better for you. Mm. Um, it's so good for your mental health. Um, and um, like we we have like really like beautiful canals near. We're we're in Homerton at the moment my, at my house, and just around the corner we've got the canals. East. <laughs> yeah, East London, mate. Um, and uh, I love going down there because you can um, you can run basically around the Olympic Stadium and back. So you feel like you feel like an Olympian. You feel great. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just I, I love running now. Love meditation. Love sleep. Sleep good. And um, yeah, eat, eating healthy as well. Yeah. How do you support friends in your own social group who may have mental health issues themselves, whether that be men or women? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I'm quite good at uh, like lending my ear to whatever people uh, have to say. Yeah, I've always been there for friends who um, who want to have like kind of like a frank discussion. I think it should happen more, to be honest. I I don't think I I don't think in my friends that we do have enough maybe like completely frank discussions about our mental health yet. No. No, I, I don't know why that is. Uh, do, you, do you have hope that it will get to that point? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it will. Yeah, I think it will. And there's and I think maybe this pod could be a starting point. There, there we go. Friends, if any of you want to chat to me about your mental health, I'm here. <laughs> Toxic masculinity is is a big topic that we try and break down on this podcast, Jack. And I wanted to first of all ask you what you what your definition of toxic masculinity is, and then we will talk about positive masculinity as well. So first mm. of all, just let me let just talk to me about what you think it means um, and whether you've experienced anything in your life that can be referred or defined as it as well with the listeners yeah um, toxic masculinity is I think yeah I think it's this like holier than thou view that as a man you are um, like somewhat kind of um, superior and you'll just kind of like show that in just like horrible displays of uh of, of masculinity um i mean i i think you i think you see it i think you see it quite a lot nowadays but the thing is i feel like i felt like we're quite we're quite insulated from it well i am anyway from i don't really mix with people that anymore i mean it's that, happened a lot in school didn't it and then yeah. when you get out of school thank god you uh yeah you avoid it life's like a filter really, isn't it you, you kind of just like filter your your circle into people that that like aren't toxic but mm. so i'm not really exposed to that much um but i um yeah i know that it's a big problem but it's what it's a problem that's kind of slowly being broken down it's, it's a weird one. i don't know if it's being broken down it's really mm. weird with toxic masculinity because you've got this you've got this guy at, you know you've got the president of the united states who who's the, you know technically the most powerful uh, person in the world who just like embodies that kind of spirit but then you've also got really great progress being made by people to kind of dispel that same masculinity. So I feel at the moment we were in this really strange time where both um, there's <laughs> we're both making progress and also 
not at the same time. I don't know. It's weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, weird. That's, I think I think you, you you touch an important point there. What do you think? I mean, I I try and put this idea of positive masculinity now more on the pod. What what does positive masculinity mean to you? Do you think? How would you define it if someone said to you, "What does that mean?" Yeah, po- positive masculinity. Oh, okay. It's a broad question, so take your time. Yeah. What 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 does that mean? What does that mean, huh? I th- I think yeah, I think it's being it's being like proud of who you are, but then not not trying to think of yourself as superior mm. and just actually thinking of yourself as a friend to mm. others, whether they be male or female. And you know, also just like just supporting people in their in their ventures, whatever background whatever background they're from, whatever gender they are. Um just um yeah. Perfect. Um why do you think it's important that we as men open up and try and normalise the conversation about mental health? Yeah, it's it's super important to normalise the conversation about mental health. And I feel like our, our our masculinity that we were speaking about typically may get in the way of opening that up. Um, we may see ourselves as weak if we step up and speak about these things when really it's just not like that mental health should be something which is opened up about uh, all all the time and it's it's only going to improve everyone's lives and mean that we work better together um, mm. and it's nothing to do with masculinity mm. or femininity mm. it shouldn't that's what's really interesting about it all it's like mental health being linked to something which is uh, either masculine or feminine or whatever it should be something completely separate that everyone mm. you know uh, experiences and we should all band together mm. to to improve it and talk about it. Why do you think historically men have struggled to express how they're feeling about their mental health or feelings in general, you know? Has society taught us that it's not okay for us to show vulnerability or have we as men done it to ourselves, do you think? Yeah, that's what I was kind or of... Or both. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. touching on that. But yeah, it's, it's a real strange one. I, I think the media is to blame for just so much of, um, so much of this stuff. Media and also, you know... Expectations, would you think? Yeah, Hollywood and yeah, media does tout this image of this like um, uh, this male bravado that the the, alpha, yeah, the alpha that isn't synonymous with you know opening up. But I mean, yes, that that's a that's a huge factor, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's not innate in us to to not open up. It's taught, isn't it? It's taught, mm. and it's, it's just, learned. Yeah, exactly. And it's the environment that we're kind of in. But I mean, as we were saying, that's kind of being um, dispelled now. I mean, mo- well, in our kind of circles, it is, which is which is great. And I just hope that can become normalised. You know. Mm. And finally, what more do we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health? Well, organisations like Vent need Thank to you. start opening That wasn't me asking you to say some nice things about Vent, by <laughs> the way, the just for the pod. Plug. Yeah, this is not the shameless plug. <laughs> um, yeah, man, like, I think, I think organisations like Vent, but also um, the same kind of organisations started by people of all uh, faiths, races, genders um, and, and nationalities, I feel like still we have an issue where as white males, we'll, we'll, we'll start up these ventures and we'll, we'll just attract loads of other similar people like us to it. And I think there's a... Je- I mean, I see it with Arts Club as well. Um, it's really interesting. So I think really being 
um, intersectional. Yeah, yeah, just really. That's what I try and do with Vent. Yeah, yeah. You like you need to, and I'm not saying this is to, like about Vent. It's just in general. It's a point that when when you're when people are starting up these things to open up the conversation, they should really really focus on who they're bringing in and their audience and go outside of their own circles because um, that's like super important uh, super important otherwise you're just you're just helping people in an echo chamber well i think it's all we've got time for on this 28th episode of the just checking in podcast jack thank you so much for being my special guest and for checking with me let's make sure we don't make it another four years before we see each other eh? As always, thank you to all the vendors who tuned in. Remember, if you like what you've heard, please give this a share on all the usual social media channels, tell your friends or work colleagues about it, or if you're feeling very generous, write us a review on iTunes. We hope to check in with you again very soon, and remember, it's always okay to vent. It's true.